Self, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Therapies. Its continuing mission, to explore strange inner worlds, to seek out new insights and new realizations. To boldly go where no one has gone before. Yes, sir. It is a wormhole. I know that, but it feels so weird. I'm afraid there's nothing to be done about it, sir. We have to accept the feeling and soldier on. I miss Earth. I know you do, Jim. Sometimes I miss Vulcan. Of course, you have the opportunity to perhaps see Earth again one day while Vulcan... Uh, I'm sorry. Ugh. I, w- I wish that we could both visit our home worlds and have them be just as we remember them. But that could never be true, even if Vulcan were still here. That's very wise. Let's start the show, sir. Welcome, friends at home, to the Ship of Sadness. I am Justine Maston, LMFT, writer slash educator slash captain of this particular ship. Welcome aboard. And I'm Larissa Garski, LMFT, writer, researcher, Spockian first officer. And uh, this all feels weird and sad. Mm. Just a reminder to listeners at home that just because we are therapists does not mean that we are your therapists. Unless, of course, we are your therapists. This podcast is for the purposes of education and humor and is not intended to replace seeing your own therapist. Well, here we are. Mm hmm. Chatting about the behind the scenes of chapter three mm-hmm. of our book, The Grieving Therapist, mm-hmm. caring for yourself and your clients when it feels like the end of the world. And this chapter was all about what, friend? The earth. And how she's very, very ill. Mm-hmm. And for those of you listeners who read our first book, Starship Therapies, using therapeutic fan fiction to rewrite your life. That's right. Sometimes I get my verbs uh-huh. confused get on our first book's title. Um, but if you read that book, you might have gotten to chapter three in The Grieving Therapist and thought, huh, this reminds me of chapter 11. And for those of you who don't remember, and spoiler alert, I didn't. So I had to go super reference it because I wrote it down so I wouldn't have to remember. Uh, chapter 11 was called A Swiftly Tilting Planet oh. Saving the Earth. Sure, sure, mm-hmm. sure, sure, sure. Mm-hmm. How quickly we forget that which we have written. Well, yeah, it's also been a long day and we're getting old. Um, <laughs> Some of us. also <laughs> older than others. Sure, but still aged. And I do think that like one of the purposes of writing books is to like take all the things that have been roiling within us mm-hmm. and put it down and then refine it. Mm. And then put it away. And then, yeah, sometimes. And I suppose for chapter 11, such a complicated relationship with chapter 11. But the point I was trying to make was we felt very strongly about the importance of chapter 11 in our first book. Yes. And we avoided it. Mm, Yes, we did. We avoided it for as long as we could. And then we wrote it and we were so unhappy. (laughs) It was 
very hard and unhappy making. At least in the beginning. I do remember once we got rolling, we felt better about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then, and so maybe I'm like answering my own question about like, God, if chapter 11 was so hard, what made us think that we were going to go sit down and write a whole book inspired by chapter 11? But I think it was the feeling we had during the second half of that chapter 11, where we were like crying and making connections. Mm-hmm. And I had that beautiful full circle moment with how I like to quote Q from all good things. Mm. And wouldn't you know it, friends, writing a book version of chapter 11 was a little more emotionally nuanced and complicated. Yeah. Rather than one chapter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and while, again, this is one chapter specifically about the earth, the grieving therapist, I mean, each of the griefs intertwine with one another. Right. And one of one of the central themes that we keep coming mm-hmm. back to in in both of the books that we have co-written is if we don't give a shit about the place where we live, yeah, we'll have nowhere to live and it won't matter whether right. we give a shit or not. Well, and uh spoiler alert friends at home, I'm about to take us good and dark. So Captain, are you ready for some grimness? Oh, sure. I don't know where we're going to be in the world when this episode goes out, but as of today that we're recording it, it's October 17th, 2023. Mm -hmm. And um, some really, really awful things are happening in the lands that we currently call Israel Uh, and Gaza. Yeah, yeah. You went went real dark. Okay. Yeah. I sure did. That's not what I did. I was not expecting that. No, I know. So I'm going to give you a second mm-hmm. to like make sure that your spacesuit uh, is secure. My spacesuit is not secure. I, okay. I, I don't know that I have the ability to secure spacesuits today. Friends at home, I'm tired. Uh, I'm going to do my very best to that's great to deal with the duct taped spacesuit I am currently wearing. And um, when needed, I've, I'll get, I'll like port in. And you can have some of my oxygen. Great. That would be great. <laughs> so you're going to make sure that I don't completely suffocate. I appreciate that. Yes. And I'm going to make sure that we don't stay in this particular place of like utter darkness for the entirety of the episode. Mm-hmm. But when I was feeling quite grim earlier this week, um, which is saying a lot because as the day of we're recording it, it's only Tuesday. Um, <laughs> I, was, I was thinking about how little say so many of us have about the care of our physical environment. Mm-hmm. And while I think that that reality, I mean, it's, it's right there in stark relief um, when we're thinking about the massive uh, refugee crisis that's happening because of the bombing, mm-hmm. specifically in, in both Gaza and Israel right now. It's also true for us here in the United States, mm-hmm. because we have representative democracy. At least that's what we call it. And one of the shadow sides to that in this day and age is that we don't have a lot of say over what happens to our lands, over things like building permits, mm-hmm. even thinking about like, well, maybe I own my home. If the government deems it necessary, they'll come in and commandeer it. Where are you going? 
Where I'm going is that, like, I think it makes a lot of sense that right now at present, I I think many of us as citizens of the world feel like it is hopeless Mm. slash we feel utterly powerless to enact meaningful change here on the planet. I actually think that like many, many humans are aware that like, this isn't good. This is not working. Mm -hmm. The tides are rising intense weather is happening more and more frequently mm-hmm. like the clarion call is there the klaxons do be you know sounding some folks are just like no i'm i'm not i reject that mm-hmm. this is so offensive to my mind that i literally can't even acknowledge that it exists but i think many of us do acknowledge that it exists but then become stuck in this feeling of apathy mm-hmm at worst, perhaps indifference at best, because we don't feel like we have a hand on any levers to create meaningful, actionable change mm-hmm. that will really make a, something more than a dent into what's happening to our planet right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think, yes, apathy is there. And, and also, I mean, what I see a lot from my clients is nihilism. You know, it's like, well, we we waited too long with the iceberg. Right. So, you know, this is this is what happens when you hit an iceberg. Mm-hmm. You go down. Right. And I am not going to do the entire Titanic metaphor, um, even though you know how much I love a Titanic metaphor. But, you know. <laughs> Friends at home, you can go out and get the grieving therapist, and it's all right there. Mm-hmm. Or if you currently have it, you can go get your copy. Mm-hmm. Flip the pages. I think it's about mm, halfway, two thirds into chapter three, maybe. Your memory is infinitely better than mine. It is, suffice it to say, a beautiful extended metaphor. Mm-hmm. And I mean, my recollection of writing this chapter is. That while I came up with a lot of the framing devices and was quite thrilled at the sages or guides mm-hmm. that we selected for this chapter, I definitely like dug myself into a place of deep despair, like I did mere minutes ago on the podcast itself. And like, you know, like my recollection is that I, I would have just like sat there because I, I do mm-hmm. do that. I dig myself a pit and I just like sit in it. And you were like, I'm not doing this today. <laughs> And you looked about yourself, metaphorically speaking, and there was the Titanic, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Which is your way of talking about like, okay, there's all these huge giant systemic forces that like, we don't have hands on levers mm-hmm. to shift and change right now. We literally do not have hands on the wheel. It's terrifying. Mm-hmm. But there's always something that you do have a choice in, even if that choice is terrible and awful and fraught and painful. And even when like you deserve so many more choices, mm-hmm. so much better, mm-hmm. you have something. Yeah. If I had had this thought previously, I, it still would have gotten noped for space. But I think if ever there is a time, like that Titanic metaphor can get extrapolated out mm. so far because not not only did the people on the Titanic have their own choices to make, there were other ships around that made choices. Right. And so if if for the moment in the book we talk about the Titanic as, you know, the Earth and and her demise, but if we think about it as 
uh, the U.S. Titanic is America. Right. Um, we've, we've got other ships, other governments that are making the choices that are best for themselves and their passengers. Mm. Um, and, you know, we're, we're all just out on the ocean living by maritime law. And all the while the whales are like, would you please shut up? <laughs> we just want some peace and quiet. Uh-huh. We make adorable clicking noises and we can talk to each other over miles. My God, we do. Friends at home, it's a real testament to the kind of day that I've had so far that like, I'm not just like already utterly dissolving in weeps. And I can't because too many of my parts are angry. <laughs> And as my own therapist pointed out to me just just yesterday when we're recording this, she was like, I think, Larissa, maybe so many of your parts are angry because you're being asked to hold so much sadness. Mm. Hmm. And you just don't want to dissolve into it. And to that, I said, touche. <laughs> touche therapist. That's right. Because I had a sassy part show up. Yeah. I. I mean... Right, this this ship that is me is run mm-hmm. exclusively by sassy parts. <laughs> I mean, that's not true, but they're here. I mean, like, they're there. And I would say, like, maybe a lot of your, like, protector parts. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's one of their tried and true tools in their little utility belt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sass. That's right. Who needs a golden lasso when you have sassy throwing stars? <laughs> I ask you, friends. That is what they would be. Mm-hmm. They'd be mm-hmm. like, pun, 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 pun. You know? <laughs> That's why when they hit you, you go, oh. Because you That's got right. hit with like, a pun. Oh, I got hit. I'm down. <laughs> they hit my Achilles heel, which are always tight. <laughs> Because I sit so much because I'm whole, I'm, I'm being with people in their pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I needed to do some extra stretching with my Achilles today. Mm. I did not do my usual workout, but I did like roll out my entire lower body. Nice. And I thought of you because friends at home, Justine is really good at rolling out her entire body. I do. Twice a day. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's it's just a bridge too far for me, my friend. That's fine. I'm not asking you to do it. I know you're not. I'm just having my honest human response. <laughs> That's so much. Right? Because you do it before your workout, and then you do it after your workout. Or rather, I do it before my workout, and then I do it after my workout. That's right. What beautiful boundaries. <laughs> I'm just, that's only for me. It doesn't have to be for anyone else. No, that's so true. And now that we've hopefully provided our listeners time to titrate their systems, I'm going to invite us to like go back in. But oh, uh, my intention is to like bring lead in some light, mm-hmm. which is each of us really does matter. Mm-hmm. I believe that. And all the little things that we do matter. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they matter in a terrible way, and sometimes they matter in an awful way or a boring way. I, this makes me think of um, if friends at home, Larissa and I were recently in the same place. Uh, I went to Chicago for a book event, mm. and um, I, I was sharing a, 
a message I had received from someone uh, thanking me for some of the work that I'd done. I have mm. done. I had done. Whatever. Um, <laughs> I know it's in the past. I know it's not in the future. That's <laughs> all I can help you with today. <laughs> um, and Larissa turned to me and said, you changed that person's life. Mm. And I said, you know, I've changed a lot of lives. Some of them even for the better. That's right. I do remember <laughs> saying that. And then we had a good chuckle and uh, some time with like real thoughtfulness. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what I think of when you when you say yeah. we each have, you know, our own ways of mm-hmm. impacting the world. We do. Each we of do. us is changing lives. Some of us mm-hmm. are even changing lives for the better. That's right. And even when we're changing them for the worse, I mean, I, I don't mean this next bit to say like to like exonerate when that happens, but more to name that like sometimes really beautiful things can come out of awfulness. Magic comes from pain. Yeah. And as our mentor recently reminded us, mm-hmm. it also comes from joy. Mm-hmm. But how does this all connect to ideas about how we can care for our earth? This is how I make sense of it for me at this moment mm-hmm. in this space and time. Um It's not about considering your impact on the planet all day, every day. No, that's too many. Right. It is, though, spending some time each day, honestly, not that dissimilar to the way Justine rolls out her body before (laughs) and after a workout. (laughs) With a foam roller. That's right, with a foam roller. To sit down and like try to sit with the piece of the planet that you spend the most time in. And also the pieces of the planet that your choices impact Mm. that capitalism works very, very hard to like shield and screen from you and think about, okay, what choices can I make if I want to minimize other people's and not just people's other beings pain. Mm -hmm. And if I want to center care and consideration for the planet. Yeah, and I'm going to invite even, I mean, we're talking about microactivism, which is not micro as Mm -hmm. small, but micro as person to person or even within oneself. Mm -hmm. So we're already on the micro level, but I'm thinking about, you know, you're talking about the the spaces in which you inhabit, like that could be literal, like your home is a space in which you inhabit on the earth. Oh, yes. Right. Our, Our dear friend and producer, Kyle Rebar, is extremely into conservation efforts. Oh my God. So much so. (laughs) Yeah. He and I really bond over our love for trains. That's right. You both love trains. I thought of that Mm -hmm. when I uh, rode the train from the airport to your neighborhood and I was like, I'm on a train. I feel like I am in kinship with my friends. (laughs) And you were. You absolutely were. <laughs> no, and I love this point because honestly, the the more recent moment that comes to my mind when I think about like being with where you live and mm-hmm. how you impact where you live was like the other, uh, maybe it was like last month. Mm-hmm. No, it was a couple weeks ago. A couple weeks ago, I was like, again, I was in my dark place around like really, really worrying about the planet. And I was like eating a snack at my dining room table. <laughs> And I would, and like, what I do to try to like pull myself out of the mm-hmm. pit is to be like, what more can I do? Mm-hmm. 
And at this point, it was like, I don't know, midway through the workday. So my romantic partner, Brian, was there sort of like half listening to me, mm-hmm. trying to pull myself out of this pit. And he was like, why don't you just look down at your napkin? And I was like, what? And he was like, Larissa, nobody uses linen napkins longer than you. <laughs> And I looked down at this napkin that I held in my hands. A linen napkin, friends. I mean, it, it was once a linen napkin. At this point, it looked like it was fit for, I don't know if any of you grew up with like rag bags, but I did. And we would like go in there when it was time to like dust the home. And we would go into the rag bag and pick our rag to like dust parts of our home when I was a kid with my mom. It sounds like it's from a grim fairy tale. I know, but like, I remember it being sort of like fun. I was like, yay, I get to choose my rag. (laughs) (laughs) And then I was visited by three ghosts. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So I looked down at my linen napkin that looks like it belonged in the rag bag of my childhood. (laughs) And I felt a deep wave of relief wash over me because I was like, I am, I'm doing everything that I can do right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're riding the train. Right. And so even though I was like, I used that plastic straw the other day Mm -hmm. and I ate a non-veggie real meat hamburger, I was able to hold that and be like, that's true. Mm hmm. That was pain that I was a part of inflicting. And these other ways, like this sad linen napkin, (laughs) the rag formerly known as a linen napkin, (laughs) is a way that I'm able to like every day make a more caring choice. Yeah. As we're talking about this, I'm remembering more of chapter 11 from Starship. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm remembering something that we really like butted heads about, which Mm. was... You wanted to talk about how everything that consumes had to kill something for that consumption. I did. I, oh, you're so right. I do remember this. And, now it's all coming and back. As, as a vegetarian, like on the precipice of veganism, mm-hmm. I was very much like, I am I am sick of this argument that carrots have feelings and that we are killing the carrots because, you know, that's that's a an oft used kind of comeback yes. mm-hmm. to plant based yeah. eaters. And mm-hmm. we went back and forth about this a few times and you were like, but I mean, they're not in the ground anymore. Yeah, There's, they, 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 they're not in their life cycle. No, they done dead. <laughs> now, if we want to lean into Byung Chul Han, which I definitely did, not in Starship Therapies, the book, because I didn't know about him then. I was such a sweet summer child, but I certainly knew about him in The Grieving Therapist. One of his big ideas is that, like, this whole separation of death from life, he's like, nonsense. Mm. That is an arbitrary distinction that humans make. That's not actually how things exist. That has to do with our limited perception. Life and death are integrated experiences. So he might very well argue that the the like the end, the conclusion of that carrot's life really was death in your stomach. Mm. Yeah. Sorry, I kind of hijacked your point there, please. Back to what you were saying. I honestly don't remember what my point was. 
<laughs> That's fair. Oh, well, we were talking about what you can do. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're going to, like, there's always something else you could do. Mm-hmm. But at what point is it so harmful? Yeah. Right? Because, like, yes, I could have really taken that in, that I was taking mm. the life of the carrot. Yes. And decided that I just wasn't going to fucking eat anymore. Like the Janes. Like the Janes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I will just become an ascetic and I, I won't eat or wear clothing or, mm-hmm. you know, I will cover myself in ash. I'll never forget in college when I first read about the Janes, my internal visceral response was, that's so how I'm going to die. That's great. <laughs> What just like in aesthetic, like d- devoid of everything? Well, that like they talked about how they like, how that like not every Jane lives in exactly yeah. this like austere way, mm-hmm. but that like as for many of for any of those folks who follow that religion, when they get to the end of their life cycle, mm-hmm. the end of the life cycle is sitting with things that they are. And then, like, giving them up very consciously. Like, this is the last time I'm eating carrots. This is the last time I'm eating rice. This is the last time I'm putting on my linen shirt. That you slowly say goodbye to the reality of life, which is, like, living that, like, involves the impacting and the taking of other life. And then you die as, like, an act of, like, peaceful sacrificial oblivion and i remember as wild as it was wild as it sounds at the time i was like wow that's beautiful yes well i i mean i get that i i feel profoundly differently but i understand why <laughs> i appreciate you why that would feel so meaningful because there are parts of me that very much want to feel ready when it's mm. time to die yes Yes. And, and what you're describing, this kind of Marie Kondo-esque, thank you for your service mm. to everything in your life. Yeah. Is like readying yourself to die. And so the parts of me that are like, yeah, I want to know that I feel ready. Like, And there are parts that are like, it's important to me to feel ready. Um, mm-hmm. I'm like, I get that. If that like Marie Kondo death journey feels like it would help you get ready then yes yeah thank you for your service linen shirt thank you for your service linen napkin that is now linen Mm. rag and also i'm hearing that like for you you have a really hard time sitting with the reality that eating causes death and pain you would like to get to a place where you could somehow eat and live and have it cause no death or discomfort when I really sit and think about it, like when we were writing that chapter, sure, I found that very disturbing. On the day-to-day, mm-hmm. I'm okay. I'm not thinking like when I'm making my salad that, mm. oh no, they have been ripped from the earth for my sure. sustenance. Right. When I really drill down on it, you know, when we're thinking mm-hmm. about harm, right? Mm. Like I drink almond milk. Sure. And like all the water usage that almonds I take, know. 
And, you know, is that better than the beef industry? Fucking of course it is. But also, <laughs> but I remember like, I can't drink almond milk. I have like a low grade allergy yeah. to it. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I realized that I was like, oh my God, thank God. I don't have to deal with this internal conundrum anymore. <laughs> Fate hath removed it from me. <laughs> my body has made the decision on my behalf. Or, y- yes. And I, you know, I, we, we, could, we could go down that road with all sorts of things. And my, my invitation to folks at home, which, you know, this app is a little more us talking about the thing than it is talking about how it was for us to write the book, but I think that's fine. I mean, I'd actually push back on that. In fact, quite hard. Fascinating. I have such strong feeling parts today um, because like this is the experiential mm. reality of what it was to write this chapter. Like we had to sit by ourselves and feel and royal with all of this mm-hmm. and then talk to each other about it. And then sometimes feel worse after those conversations. (laughs) And then we had to figure out how in the world we were going to tip tap that out. No, that's fair. That is fair. And like, so we're giving people a real, I mean, I'm not talking to you about the, like the structural writing mechanics of writing this chapter. Maybe we will in other episodes. Who knows? That awaits the future versions of us. Mm -hmm. But what we are talking about is like, These were all the feelings that we sat with Mm -hmm. and some of the ideas and memories that came up and experiences. And I will say it was in writing this book that I like really doubled down on the whole linen napkin thing, because I remember at the time, Brian was like, we could order more. And I was like, no, these suffice. I, I so, I so, 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 so wish that we had had this conversation mm. several years ago. Oh, why? Because when I cleaned out my parents' home, they oh. had multiple sets of linen napkins. Wow. That got pulled out once, maybe twice a year. Mm. And so they were in pristine fucking condition. Wow. I don't know that where they are great. now. Hopefully someone else is using them. If if I come across them, if I in fact kept them out of some sense of like, I will use linen napkins. Mm, you can, my way. You can anticipate at the next gift giving holiday, a set of beautiful, unnecessarily ornate linen napkins. God, I'll love them. And I will just use them into the ground and I will think of your mother being like, (gasps) (laughs) these are for special occasions. I'll be like, right now is a special occasion. Because like, I remember that from my parents too, that like we had some really nice napkins and Mm -hmm. like some of it was that like, I mean, God, my mom was trying to manage so much when we were young. And I totally, I remember like asking her one time being like, Mm -hmm. mom, can we use these napkins? And she was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then I must have like the, 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 like the fear and anguish that appeared on my face must have like been enough to really startle her. And she was like, then she was like, no, they're a lot to wash and care for. And like, that's true. I, I mean, you know, and this is what Brian tried to say, my romantic partner. And he was like, we could get more. We'd cut down on laundry, cut down on water consumption. 
And what I did instead, friends at home, was I said, well, we don't need to use different napkins at every meal. We'll just have our napkin for the first three days of the week. (laughs) 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 When I came to visit you, I had a napkin. You did? (laughs) I did. I had a linen napkin. And I, I recall you saying, do you mind? reusing the napkin from breakfast. And I was like, why would I mind reusing the napkin from breakfast? But I can think of people for whom that might be upsetting. Yes, absolutely. And that was why I wanted to check in. (laughs) I guess both in this conversation and in the book, we're kind of, we're asking folks to take a look at their life, their way they're living it. And what what could they introduce or change? Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean we all need to be aesthetics. No. Mm-mm. No, 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 no. There's absolutely stuff that I do that you would never do. Like, True. You know, like my, my use of disposable items would be very upsetting to your system. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm not like terrible either. I just... No, I know. I'm just very austere. <laughs> you're, just... <laughs> you're, you're not the first person who's pointed that out to me. <laughs> right? I know I th- it's a bit much. I think about it sometimes when, you know, we, mm-hmm. we receive some fruit in a plastic container yeah. that is not a recyclable pas- plastic container. And I'm like, Larissa would not be able to stomach no. that this is going in the landfill. And I'm sure neither would Kyle Rebar. No, I don't think he would either. You know, when I visited them in Santa Monica, I had I had my little my little coffee cup from the coffee shop and he's mm-hmm. got like four different containers of different types of trash situations in their mm-hmm. tiny Santa Monica apartment and I was mm-hmm. like, "Kyle, I'm overwhelmed. I'm going to hand yeah. you this uh-huh. coffee cup." And he was like, "Okay, well, this goes in here, and this goes in here, and that goes in there, and this goes in there." And I was like, thanks. (laughs) That is one of my long-term dreams. And I, as of yet, have not been able to convince my partner that that would be a good idea. For a number of reasons, the chief being a number of animals we live with and how they would love, like, getting amongst it. Mm -hmm. And the smell. Yeah. I Maybe our producer and our executive producer should hang out and talk about composting. I think that would be beautiful for everyone. But yes, to bring it back around to what you're <laughs> saying, the invitation here is to is to sit with how are you living and how is that impacting yourself, the beings with whom you engage either directly or indirectly? How is it impacting the place of the planet that you frequent a lot? How is it impacting the place of the planet that supports where you buy many of your goods Mm-hmm. Are you riding the and train? Then, right. And then pick one thing. Because mm-hmm. like we're giving examples of things that like we've done like and shifted and changed over years and years and years and years and years. Mm-hmm. And the other thing, too, that happened for me when I was revising the grieving therapist that I never in a million years thought would happen. And I think this probably will make sense to those of you who are longtime listeners of the pod or who know Justine and I pretty well is I found myself having like empathy for 
not capitalism, but for folks who resonate with capitalism Mm. and for the humans who were attracted to that idea and then were a part of like building that initially. Mm -hmm. Because one of the things that capitalism does really, really well is if you live in the center of capitalism's empire, as we do in the United States of America, you are so separated from the pain and destruction Mm -hmm. of the capitalist system. And it is really, really hard to sit with the reality of taking life to stay alive when you are sensitive to the whole world around you. Mm -hmm. It's really painful. Think about you and carrots. Capitalism says, you don't have to think about any of that, Justine. We'll take those carrots. We'll like change how they look so you can like forget about how they were once in the dirt. Mm-hmm. We'll put them in little bite-sized cylinders. We'll wrap that shit up so it looks like a nice little present. <laughs> you know how I like presents. Yeah. Open that, open that up. Was it alive once? It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's easier to be removed. Yeah. I don't want to go too far down this road, but, you know, there's a reason that we have moved away from our relationship with the earth. Mm. Because... Yes, or that some of us have. I'm aware that, like, there are are lots of groups of people who, like, are like, no, 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 no. I've been here. I've been engaging. Yeah, no. I When I say we, I am uh, really talking about Eurocentric people. Uh, such as my father's family who came over from England uh, uh, long ago. Like, mm. anyway, yes, uh, we don't need to get the genogram out. Uh, <laughs> At least not today. Here. That's chapter four. <laughs> <laughs> oh, something to look forward to. That's right. <laughs> um, look forward to. I do see what you did there. Well done, sir. Thank you um but that some of us have become distanced from the earth mm-hmm. because if you feel connected to the earth you give a shit about what's happening to it and yeah. the animals that are roaming it and the carrots that are growing in it and right. the other humans the worms that are burrowing uh-huh mm-hmm. right and the other humans who are making their own agrarian life mm-hmm. But, you know, for you and I, who literally live in cities, yes, like, it, the, the cities aren't built for connection to the earth. There are spaces. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I consider us both very lucky to live in spaces with, like, large True. green green areas. Mm-hmm. And, like, mm-hmm. we've got lots of water. Yeah. You know, we'll be first in line for the water wars when Arizona comes to Oh my god, I know. Drain Lake Michigan. <laughs> That's the other way I might go is defending the Great Lakes. <laughs> Sometimes my romantic partner and I will talk about that. <laughs> but now I've outed myself, so what you know, here I am. Yeah, you can't be part of the rebellion now. Maybe I'll find some, like, sneaky switchback way to do it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, 
societally, the Eurocentric society in which we live in America, which is all we can really speak to because that's where we live and work, is inviting us to not look around. Yeah. And so even just the looking around is a pretty radical thing to do. Mm -hmm. You know, when's the last time you went to a green space? When's the last time you sought out a green space? There is an amazing green space in Minneapolis is a huge cemetery. Oh, that's right. You do love this place. I do. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. It is full of trees and grasses mm-hmm. and the ancestors. I mean, yes. the rich ancestors, because it is a very... Sure, but they're ancestors too. <laughs> <laughs> Which actually makes me think of something that like, I do want to name about this the idea of like Eurocentrism that mm-hmm. like, I think about this sometimes... Is it true that I think about it sometimes? No, I think about it a lot. Like, you know, that TikTok thing about like, how often do you think about the Roman Empire? <laughs> Spoiler alert. I also think about the Roman Empire a lot because it's not has to do with gender. Um, but I also think about a lot this idea of like the, ma- the different masks that we wear. Mm-hmm. And when I think about Franz Fanon and his book, Black Skin, White Masks, this idea that, I mean, there's so much in this book, friends. I highly recommend. One of the things it's trying to talk about is what happened for... Um, folks from the African continent and in, mm-hmm. in the diaspora feeling like they had to put on the mask of whiteness in order to be successful in this growing colonial and then post-colonial age mm-hmm. of capitalism. I also think that that's really, really true of the indigenous cultures and tribes of Europe. Because when like you go back and you dig into like, the Bavarians or like the, the, like the ancient Germanic tribes, like they were all up in those trees and those woods. They were deeply rooted to the earth and connected. And so much of that has been lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Progress was presented as the, uh, I'm going to go Lord of the Rings because that's where my brain is going. But yeah. right. Like progress was was brick and stone. Not sure. not the ants. Right. So we have to burn the ants so they don't try and mm. take it back. Right. And what can be produced. Mm-hmm. Kyle Rebar had a beautiful little soliloquy on this. The, one of the last times that we had dinner with him <laughs> talking about economics and like how economics is such a messed up foundation. I'm not going to do as good a job as he did explaining it, but like basically the whole formula of what we call economics is based on like measuring units of value as to like what you can extract from the earth mm-hmm. as opposed to valuing a sunset or a grove of trees or whales and their clicky sounds. <laughs> oh see your your system is softening because now you're gonna cry about the whales i'm not going to because i have to go back to work after we finish recording (laughs) but i did have a moment of softness yeah all right Mm. um what what else would we like folks to know or think about if anything today I mean, I guess what I want folks to know is that though we went a a lot of like dark places in talking about like what we went through to write chapter three, I think that like chapter three itself is actually full of whimsy and joy and hope and 
I think we really do some like really fun things with the extended metaphor of how we talk about planet Earth. One of my favorite characters in Marriage and Family Therapy makes an appearance in in this chapter. Ivan Bazarmaninaj, um, who is the the papa of a style of therapy called contextual family therapy, which is also That's all right. about the the therapy of fairness. Mm-hmm. Because his father was a judge. Mm-hmm. Or a lawyer. Was he a judge? Pretty sure he was a judge. Okay. I believe you. Thank you. <laughs> your, your memory for details like that is much better than mine. I'd like his, his father was in the law. And that's also true. <laughs> like his foundational idea around therapy was that our overarching goal as therapists is to save the planet. Mm. And I was like, yeah, that's right. I remember you were so stoked when you found that quote. Oh, I was. You were so stoked. And my memory is you found it. And I was like very crabby that day. And I was like, yeah, sure, fine. But we need to get down to writing. And you were like, no, but this quote is so great. And I was like, I know you're right. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I actually I found that quote uh, when I was teaching mm. and I was like, oh, my God. This is going to be so great. <laughs> and it was. And it, and, it, and it is. And it was. And I was like, yeah, look, we're not the first therapists to believe that therapy is not just a radical political act, but that it might save mm. the planet. Yeah. Learning how to be present with pain mm -hmm. has a tremendous ripple effect. You know? And it can really change you. Uh -huh. We're chaos magicians. <laughs> I, I told uh, uh, one of the cohorts I taught that, uh, very brief aside. Yeah. I talk uh, quite a bit about folks that I taught um, in the book. And I was at a graduation event not that long ago. One of the admin folks was like, so I was doing a group and one of the students was like, I hear Justine wrote about us in her book. Oh. And she was like, she did. Do you want to hear it? And uh -huh. like read them a section. Wow. And they were like, yep, that's what happened. And it was about huh. the, the cohort that it kind yeah. of turned in on itself. Yeah. 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 No, I remember. Huh. Yeah. Uh, but where I was going with this story before I took a turn was... Uh, one of the cohorts had just been like so closed. It was like everyone who had taught them had told them I remember to just mm -hmm. like be in a box and walk on eggshells and be perfect and cross yeah. all your T's and dot all your I's. And I was like, why? Wow. It it was one of the first classes I taught them. I was like, what is happening? Yeah. Like y'all seem terrified of mm -hmm. me, of each other of this assignment that is not that big a deal. Right. And they were like, well, we learned this, that, and the other things. I was like, no, uh, no, not in here. <laughs> in, in here, your job is to make mistakes. <laughs> we are chaos magicians. And chaos magic is inherently a messy business. Uh. <laughs> I think it's a perfect place to close for this day mm. they say good night to the chaos magicians mm -hmm. and uh bookmark it until next time
That's right. We may be at the helm of this ship, but we know who really keeps us running. Thank you to Lieutenant Catherine Mandycat Duthie, who designed our beautiful cover art. Thank you to our fabulous producer, Lieutenant Kyle Rebar. And finally, thank you to our executive producer, Lieutenant Commander Brian Therens. You, sir, are a true steward of the napkins. <laughs> Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, we're mostly only on Instagram. Uh, I'm yeah. going to be honest with you. I think follow us on Instagram. Um, mm-hmm. And the very best way that you can support our podcast is to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts and tell your friends to check out our backlog and these final 10 apps. Just a reminder, you can pick up both of our books wherever fine books are sold. Those are Starship Therapies, using therapeutic fan fiction to rewrite your life, and The Grieving Therapist, caring for yourself and your clients when it feels like the end of the world. And the holiday season is a-comin', so order yourself a copy of one or both or all and for yourself (laughs) and others and share the good news. And as always, friends, live long and prosper. Prosper.